I think we can assume that no matter what we do, there are going to be people who agree with it and people who don't. So I'd say let's start there. There is no response that is going to fix the problem or be universally beloved. Um, I was always amazed when leaders thought if we put the perfect sentences together that it would make the issue go away. Um, if if that exists, I haven't found it yet. So I think we should practice good communication and good preparation, but we should also be prepared for the fact that sometimes a storm comes and we have to ride it out. Good morning, HR. I'm Mike Coffey, and this is the podcast where I talk to business leaders about bringing people together to create value for shareholders, customers, and the community. Please follow, rate, and review Good Morning HR on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or at goodmorninghr.com. The last couple of years have been full of monkeys fleeing poo at businesses' reputations. Companies' response to COVID last spring, do we go remote or do we stay in the office? How do we coordinate our decision with customers, employees, and whoever the other stakeholders are? Do we make commitments about when or how we'll return to the office? Then George Floyd was murdered on May 25th. Many companies rightly condemned his killing publicly, but then were criticized from all sides for saying too much or not saying enough. Now many employers are struggling with returning employees to the workplace and whether they should mandate vaccines. Once again, many employers are taking it in the pants from all sides. In a world where even a few motivated employees or disgruntled shareholders can create a furor on Twitter and social capital is measured with the same gravity as a profit and loss statement, quality internal and external communications are more critical than ever. My guest today is Abby Lowe McNeil. Abby has more than 15 years experience leading communications and marketing for an international healthcare system where she handled just about every type of communications challenge a large organization could face from bubonic plague and hurricanes to capital murder. That's how she became the person who had picked up the phone when the construction crew found bodies under the building. Now she works with businesses to solve some of their thorniest problems through effective marketing and communication strategies. Welcome to Good Morning HR, Abby. Thanks for having me, Mike. I'm excited to talk to you today. So let's just get the story about the bodies under the building out of the way because I got to hear this one. So that was actually the construction crew uh, discovered a cemetery that hadn't been moved um, from the 1800s under the building. And so um, it really was a time of working with the community and the families um, whose loved ones or ancestors were buried in the cemetery. Um, but I actually have to tell you some of my best work happened on things that never saw the light of day, right? Issues that never made it into the media. Um, and, and those are some of the things I'm, I'm most proud of, things we never had to talk about at all. <laughs> so bodies you buried on behalf of the company. <laughs> things we prepared for that okay. didn't uh, didn't go public. And actually, okay. you know, from a corporate perspective, I found that some of my best work was building those internal relationships so that I found out about things before they came larger issues uh, so that we could kind of tackle them at, at the root. One day I remember, I don't even remember what the issue was, but I had three lawyers call me to tell me about the same thing. And I was like, yes. 
I have arrived. This is where I wanted to be. So um, sometimes it's also about preparation, not just about what you do once the thing has happened. Yeah, having trust of, of the right people makes all the difference. And I'm sure in PR and communications and in HR or anywhere in the organization, I guess. So. That's so true. So you've been in corporate communications for a while, not as long as I've been in HR because you're younger than me, but what's changed over again. the last two yeah, yes, uh, yes, uh, yes, world, Abby is clearly <laughs> younger than me. Her skin is still in the right place. So, so you've been around for a while, though. So what's changed in corporate communications over the last two decades? So much and so little. I mean, people are still the same, but I think social media has brought with it so many changes. I actually built an early social media uh, program in healthcare, one of the first, um, and learned to use it along with everyone else. Um, but I think what HR people are probably attuned to, but maybe other people aren't, is that social media has also become a way of communicating with employees and for other people to communicate with businesses about their employees. So it's not just whether or not a company decides to make an external statement about an issue these days. It's also about what are their employees saying on social media and who's reporting that back to the company and what action do they want the company to take in response. So, I mean, it's just added a whole new level of complexity that we weren't even prepared for 10 years ago. And social media has fueled the, whatever, whether you call it the pandemic of misinformation, fake news, the infodemic. And we see it in our politics and in a lot of the public discourse, but I've seen it happen to plenty of companies where not even, you know, with ill will, somebody criticizes the company because they don't have all the facts and catches the company flat-footed. How, you know, how does a company prepare, uh, and should they even worry about, I guess, you know, that kind of response or, you know, or can we just assume that the public's going to treat us with goodwill and we can go, we will have a chance to correct the record later. I think we can assume that no matter what we do, there are going to be people who agree with it and people who don't. So I'd say, let's start there. There is no response that is going to fix the problem or be universally beloved. Um, I was always amazed when leaders thought if we put the perfect sentences together that it would make the issue go away. Um, if, if that exists, I haven't found it yet. So I think we should practice good communication and good preparation, but we should also be prepared for the fact that sometimes a storm comes and we have to ride it out. So I think that's the first thing. Second, I think um, companies do need to be prepared and expect that they will get caught up in something, in traditional media, in social media, somewhere, somehow. Um, a customer is going to be upset and it's going to balloon into something bigger. But I also think companies need to respond carefully. Um, you know, we often looked at, okay, someone is angry at us on Facebook. How many connections do they have? How many followers they have? It doesn't make them less important, but it means that we might not want to um, put an answer out there in such a large and public way when it's really just a couple people we're talking to. 
our goal was always to take that conversation offline, right? To say, gosh, we're so sorry you're upset, or it seems like perhaps you don't have all the information. Let's continue this conversation in private message, or please send us your email address or your phone number. We'll have someone follow up with you. It was always our goal to take that kind of back and forth offline because nobody wins um, and a tit for tat, right? So I think that was the other thing was how do we connect with our customers and, and take them into a kind of a one-on-one or our employees, our other stakeholders so that we don't have to fight those fights online. And I think a lot of the, the companies, it seems like that found themselves in hot water and some of them did some knuckle, said some knuckleheaded things, or at least their executives did, or, or they smoked, smoked pot on Joe Rogan's podcast or whatever. Um, uh, and I'm, I'm still waiting for somebody to smoke pot, uh, pot on Good Morning HR, but we'll, we'll get there. Nobody told um, me that was part yeah. of the invitation. Yeah. I, yeah, I no, feel like I, I missed out. Yeah, the brownies are in the mail. <laughs> yeah. um, but they, a lot of these companies that found themselves in hot water were trying to do the right thing, right? Uh, and they were kind of surprised by the blowback they got, whether it was internal or external. What can you do as as a business leader to anticipate what that blowback might, you know, that unanticipated blowback might be? Well, my first recommendation would be get a PR communications marketing person who kind of annoys you um, because they're going to ask you all those questions right before you even respond. They are going to know what all those questions are going to be, and they are going to be able to help you anticipate them. Second, remember employees first, always, always, always. If you have a a thorny communication, a difficult communication, an exciting communication, um, no matter what it is, you want to start that conversation internally first. Um, And then you also want to remember that there is no such thing as just internal communication anymore either. Um, so whatever you say internally, you especially if it's in writing, you better be ready for it to go up on a billboard. And then I think leaders of organizations need to decide how present and visible they want to be on social media. Because I used to say to our executives when we were preparing for difficult media conversations, you lose the ability to have your own opinion right now. You're a spokesperson for the company. Um, In this case, you don't get to have an opinion. Your opinion is the company's opinion. Um, And some companies' leaders do a better job of navigating that. Um, But it's really, really difficult. And so I think if leaders chose to stay off social media, that might be a good, that might be a good fair choice at this point. Um, Do they... But but the organization itself needs needs to be out there. Is that the case? Would you say everybody needs to be on Twitter? No, absolutely okay. not. So wasteland, um, right? So. <laughs> I think you need to know who you're talking to and why you're on social media. And you need to target your outlets, your accounts, your postings, your content um, to what you're trying to achieve and, and go from there. So... Um, the safe thing is LinkedIn and those kind of things, I guess. But do you are Facebook and you know Facebook's probably great for sales. You know, if you're trying to do marketing, but would we? It's you know, it seems like some of the some of the smartest companies 
have just refused to engage with, especially with debate uh, issues, uh, you know, those, those hot issues on social media. Uh, would that be, is that generally good advice or is that, is it really a, on a case by case basis according to the circumstance and the, the company? Yeah, I'd say it's case by case on circumstance and company. I think you need to understand who your customers are. I think you need to understand what you as a company value and how you're going to live those things out. I think you need to understand how your employees are going to react. Um, again, there's no one like monolithic group. All our customers are going to respond this way. All of our employees are going to respond this way. So you need to understand that whatever you decide, whether you say something or you don't, there are going to be some people who disagree um, and, and you have to be ready for that. But if there comes a situation that you feel like you can't be silent on anymore, and I think you said it in the intro, George Floyd was a good example um, a lot of companies felt like they needed to say something, but then I think they also have to be prepared to say what they're going to do in response. And it needs to be more than just thoughts and prayers, right? Like we need to have a diversity and inclusion plan. We need to understand what it is we're going to do. So if, if you feel compelled to respond to a situation or a, something happening in the nation or the world, it needs to be important enough to you that you're ready to put some money where your mouth is. Otherwise, I'm not sure that it actually benefits your organization, your employees, or your customers to make a statement in that case. And when the George Floyd stuff happened, uh, a lot of those corporate communications seemed like they were written by committee. Uh, they, you know, they didn't really have a voice that was, you know, that seemed genuine or honest and, and every word was so picked over so carefully that and sanitized that they didn't seem to say much. How much do, do you know, you've got your PR person in the room if you're smart. I think we've established that. How much should we let, you know, input from or just edit, editing input, at least from execs and other all these different stakeholders affect what that final product is? I think um, every company is going to be different. I think collaboration is good, but I would agree. Statements by committee don't usually get us very far um, or make a lot of difference. But people want to weigh in on things that are important to the company. So is there a way to let them weigh in without letting them move the commas in your statement around? Um, and also, is there a way to make sure before you get to a point like this that your PR people have a good relationship with your legal counsel um, so that they can work together? Because I think um, that was always really important to me as a communicator, understanding where the boundaries were from a legal perspective, what I wanted to achieve from a communications perspective, and then negotiating till we found something in the middle. And I was probably willing to push our legal counsel and that boundary a, a lot more than some people might have been. Um, but I think you have to have good faith on both sides so that you get to something in the middle that's reasonable and actually says something and, and makes a difference because both of those perspectives are really important and need to be heard. So the, the balance between not getting sued and not creating exhibit A and publishing that out to the media, 
but at the same time saying something that's meaningful because if you can't reach that balance it's probably just a situation where you should keep your mouth shut is that kind of the approach i'd agree and i think um really it's about again knowing what it is you want to achieve i would always say to our lawyers look here is the thing I am trying to say. Help me say it in a way that you can live with and won't get us sued. Um, and usually that conversation got us to a much better statement, I think, than just fighting about it or, you know, um, well, I want to say this. Well, I want to say this. That collaboration is, is really key. And let's take a quick break. Good Morning HR is brought to you by Imperative. Premium background checks with fast and friendly service. If you're an HRCI or SHRM certified professional, this episode of Good Morning HR has been pre-approved for one half hour of recertification credit. To obtain the recertification information, visit goodmorninghr.com and click on Research Credits. Then select episode 19 and enter the keyword McNeil. That's M-C-N-E-I-L. On December 2nd, I'll be hosting a webinar entitled Seven Steps to Making Bulletproof Hiring Decisions. This free webinar is approved for one professional development credit for SHRM certified professionals and one hour of general recertification credit for HRCI certified professionals. You can register for this free webinar at imperativeinfo.com. And if you're listening to this podcast after December 2nd, you can still watch the recorded webinar on our website for credit for free. And now back to my conversation with Abby Lowe McNeil. So that's all, you know, kind of crisis communications or those kind of things, uh, you know, where we've got a particular particular instance that we may or may not need to respond to. Um, let's switch just to straight internal employee communications, uh, because that's probably where the real goodwill and trust is built and how well the company communicates with employees. Um, how would you organize and plan internal communications to employees in a way that that builds trust and, and respect inside the organization? I think, first of all, you start by building a really strong partnership with your HR professionals, because I think as leaders, we tend to think of internal communications as the Slack messages, the things that happen on Teams, the memos and emails that we push down through the organization. But I'd say that most of what internal communications is is employees talking to each other and manager to employee. And I think um, that relationship with HR really impacts that manager to employee level. Um, and, and that's really the heart of where things happen. And to me, that's the most important. Then I would organize around, you know, who are going to be our spokespeople, who's going to talk to the organization. Uh, are there going to be multiple people? What are they going to talk about? Um, how do we stay ahead of conversations? How do we keep our pulse on conversations? Because again, I think you have to have that two-way um, down and up kind of a level, or it's just you as leaders talking to yourselves, basically. I also think it's important to remember that employees always see, see through things, right? And they are always going to read between the lines. And so if there's something you're trying not to say, or a subject you're trying to avoid, they are going to pick up on that. Um, and I think you're probably better off at least addressing that somehow than dancing around it or um, 
giving them a very sanitized answer around it. It's the same thing with external, right? If you spend so much time crafting the perfect sentence that says nothing, you're probably better off saying to your employees, we're not going to comment on this right now, but your feedback to us is really important. So send us an email or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've seen some companies that kind of had freewheeling, open internal communications uh, suddenly decide, yeah, that's not the best way to get work done and, and for us to be productive. I mean, Basecamp is a great example. And they had a, a lot of their, you know, they, they pretty much said, you know, we're not going to talk social issues and politics uh, on our Slack or whatever their, their media was. And they had a number of employees leave. Um, is is there a way to avoid getting to that point where employees can talk? Or is it just in this in our society, we just need to tell people we don't talk about religion and politics and 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 period and you know these other thorny social issues that are outside of what we do for a business you know and how we make money. Uh, we just don't talk about those. How 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 would you guide an, an employer and in, 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 at least considering what their options are? I think there are some companies for whom allowing those political, religious, etc. discussions in the workplace makes sense because they as a company part of their brand is built on being that way, right? Like Patagonia and those sorts of companies that are really built around a frame of mind. It makes sense, I think, for them to allow those kind of conversations because um, it's so much a part of who they are as a company. But I'd say for most companies, it probably doesn't make sense. And so you are going to have to practice that good communication hygiene of reminding people. I'd say you need to train your managers and your leaders to not talk about those things too, and to engage in conversation in a way that um, avoids those things skillfully. Um, and, And again, I think there is a way of saying, look, we're here to do a job without saying, get back to work quit talking about your personal stuff, right? I think, and I think usually for most companies, that's refocusing on what we're here to do. Um, your company has a mission. It, it doesn't exist just to make money. There are thousands of ways to make money. Why does it make money this way? Why does it do things this way? Um, that I think is what I'd remind people of, right? Like we're here to care for our customers and each other. We have different points of view. We have different um, political beliefs. We have different values. That's what makes us rich as an organization is that we can come together and gather around our mission, which is whatever that is. That's the thing we're going to focus on together, not these other points of view. It's great that you have them. We encourage you to talk about them offline in your personal time. When we're here, these are the kinds of things we're going to focus on and just keep coming back to that messaging. And be willing to say, if that's really an important thing to the culture for you, then, you know, you might be happier someplace else, even to a top performer, if that's what it boils down to. Absolutely. Yeah. Those are hard decisions to make sometimes, but yeah, it's, uh, you can't, uh, you can't say that and say, we're not going to do it. And then let, you know, then take, you know, and I think we've seen some of that too. Well, there's certain messages that we'll let employees share, but if they, you know, uh, when they we disagree with them on some other things, we're we're going to try to lock down. I think that's usually probably a mistake. I'm okay. curious what you thought of how Starbucks responded 
to the 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 African-American men who were having coffee waiting for some, or wait, waiting for somebody before, I think before they ordered their coffee. And then uh, somebody at the store clearly overreacted and, and then calling the police and Starbucks responded pretty good. Uh, what, were, what was your take on, as that happened? I'd, I'd be really interested to sit in your brain as something like that's unfolding and, and, and see how you respond. It's so funny to be in the crisis command center at that point, because I think what you gather as somebody who's done that a lot of times is that, information is coming in so quickly from so many different sides that you don't actually know what the right story is. You don't know what actually happened yet, and yet you have to respond immediately. And so I have a lot of um, compassion and respect for people who have to say, we're investigating this, we're reviewing it, we're going to do the right thing. I think then shutting down their stores and doing some training was a really great way of, like we talked about earlier, putting their money where their mouth is. Like we're not just going to say, this isn't the way we do business. We're going to take an action that costs us something in order to um, remind people what's important to us. How do we behave as people who serve customers, as our employees, those sorts of things. And how are we going to live this out going forward? Um, I was really impressed, I think, by the way they handled that. So last kind of question, and it may be a French goodbye. It may take longer than, than, than just one question. But if I'm, let's say I'm a, I'm a business. I don't have a PR person on retainer. I don't have anybody sitting on my, you know, on my shoulder whispering, you know, what to do. But I see a crisis forming. Um, what, what would, what's, what are the first two or three things I should do to, uh, to, you know, make sure that we respond appropriately. And like you said, take the time to understand what's really going on before we overreact. So my first recommendation would be find a good PR person (laughs) to come in and help you because it's funny. I was talking to a professor, um, the other day who teaches crisis management to some of the biggest brands in the world. And I asked him, when do they call you in? And he said, when it's too late, when the crisis has already happened, right? So, um, call the PR person in before, you know, all the answers before, right. As it's brewing, call them in as early as you can. There are lots of great ones out there or call. If you can't do that, find someone you trust who works in that area or, you know, has some exposure to that area, right? There's got to be someone who can look at this situation from more of an objective place than you are. Because I think that's the other thing is when you're the business owner or the business leader or you're in-house, it's really hard to separate yourself from what people are going to say about your business and what you believe are the choices you made for really good reasons. Um, and you are going to be very tempted to come out swinging. And generally that's probably not the best way to handle it. In my experience, it it can come off as victim blaming. It can come off as not taking responsibility, right? It's so hard to be the business leader, um, and see those things objectively. So even if it's not a PR person, find someone whose counsel you trust, who can see these things from a more objective place than you can. Uh, and then gather your team, HR, legal, operations, finance, right? These people need to be in the know. They need to understand what it means to hold things in confidence. And you need to create a plan together 
when we had to write a statement about something that happened, they were always basically the same, right? We described what happened. We talked about how it happened. We talked about what we were doing to make sure it never happened again. And then we were telling people why they could trust us. That's basically what you need to be focused on, I think, not just in your communications, but your operations as well. Interesting. So have your script, have your expertise in the room, have all the stakeholders there and have your script that this is what we all uh, should do now. And I'm assuming that you've, you lay the law down as well, that the only person or the only people who speak on behalf of the organization are the, so the rest of anybody else, you don't respond to social media, you don't take reporters calls, you, you don't try to do the right thing and reach out to this injured employee or whoever, and, you know, try to make them feel better about a situation, uh, you just, you know, tell them, trust our process. Absolutely. I think for lots of executives, though, they're glad to not be the one talking to the media, <laughs> right? Um, they're happy to not be answering the phone. We had a standard message we would use um, for employees and leaders to remind them, look, you don't want to be part of the story. So if the call from the reporter comes or if they catch you in the parking lot or whatever, um, tell them to call the PR person at this number. Tell them to follow this process. Uh, refuse to engage, those sorts of things. Um, I think people are really glad to not end up as part of the story themselves and would appreciate that out. And that's all the time we have today. Thanks for joining me today, Abby. Yeah, thanks. It was fun. And if uh, you, you found this podcast episode just because you were Googling crisis management uh, and you need to reach Abby, she her contact information will be in uh, our uh, show notes. And thank you for listening. You can find previous episodes, show notes, and contact info for our guests at goodmorninghr.com or on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. And don't forget to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Rob Upchurch is our technical producer and market imperatives marketing coordinator. Katie Bautista keeps the trains running on time. And I'm Mike Coffey. As always, don't hesitate to reach out if I can be of service to you personally or professionally. I'll see you next week. And until then, be well, do good, and keep your chin up. <laughs>